Welcome to the It Doesn't Hold Up podcast. We review and reevaluate all things we remember fondly from our childhood and years prior to see if they still hold up. And more often than not, they probably don't. I'm Stuart Shepherd, along with my co-host and good friend, Michael Smith. Smith, how are you doing? I'm very well, Stuart. How are you? I am fantastic. It was a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. And I am now finally out of my cast. So yay, out of my cast, out of my splint. I'm halfway there to being human. So... Oh, good. Out of your out of your splint, forever a Vulcan. <laughs> yeah, live long and prosper to you all. <laughs> oh, cool. Right, before we get on to uh, this week's nomination, just wanted to say a little bit of feedback about last episode, which was Santa Claus the movie. And I forgot to mention last episode, that was actually our 10th episode. So a little bit of a milestone for us, 10 episodes. This started as a bit of fun for me and Smith, just something to, you know, have a bit of a laugh with. And it's kind of growing arms and legs and really pleased in the direction it's going in. So yes, thank you for joining us for over 10 episodes and a very happy new year to all of you. And ready to start 2024 with some more stuff we're going to reevaluate to see if it's still good. And it probably isn't. It probably doesn't hold up. I would say happy new year to everyone, but I didn't mean it. So um, so I'm not going to. And remember to direct your hate mail to one, Michael Smith. Please do. <laughs> Sustains me. <laughs> now, not sure what feedback you got for Santa Claus the movie, but the main ones I got was we've <laughs> ruined people's childhood. <laughs> ruined Christmas for many, many, many people. Uh, people, <laughs> <laughs> people liked our John Lithgow impressions. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. a few people messaged me went, oh, shit, yeah, David Jock is in that film. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Well, but... One of the pieces of feedback I got for it was, "What fucking film?" <laughs> Santa Claus movie. They were like, "What?" Yeah, there are some people who know this film and really know it, and there are some people who have no idea. Like, oh, the one with Tim Allen? No, that's the Santa Claus. This is Santa or Claus. Santa Claus the, Two, the, the Santa Claus Three, or the new TV series, The Santa Clauses. Oh, I thought that was. A I've not seen. Oh, this is for TV series, I think. Oh, was it? Oh, who cares? Yeah, I've never seen any of them. <laughs> Well, there you go. But yes, that was Santa Claus, the movie. That was our last episode of 2023. And we're ready to start 2024 with this episode's nomination, which came from me, which is Willow. Willow from 1988. Uh, Brief synopsis before Smith goes into his scene setting. It is a story of Willow, a Nelwyn race person who ends up entrusting to look after this baby, Alora, because she's the prophet and chosen one to bring down the evil Balmorva. Yes, I'm going to have to stop you there. The, uh, the princess Alora Dallin. Her full name must be said at all times by everyone. <laughs> Fine, Alora Dallin. A lot of Thank my you. notes just say the baby, the baby, because I was getting fed up of writing Alora Dallin. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's a fantasy adventure protecting the baby Alora Dallin. Right then. So let's see. 1988. What was going on in 1988, Smith? Take it away. 1988. Well, I don't have that much scene setting for 1988. It wasn't a particularly interesting year. Sure. Um, things that happened in 1998, we've got George Bush becomes the president of the United States of America. Uh, George Bush Sr., that is not George Bush Jr. That would come much later. Um, the in, in a piece of a scientific development, which I can only sort of put on a par with the pointlessness of this film, the first test tube quintuplets are born. Mm. Unnecessary leap forward there. No one needs quintuplets, let alone artificial quintuplets. Um, the first Red Nose Day started here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And for anybody outside the UK, Red Nose Day is uh, a special charity event once a year where comedians band together to be deeply unfunny. Every two years. It was every two years. Yeah, so thankfully people are only unfunny frequent. every two years. Yeah, so. yeah, it feels more frequent. Um, Roy Orbison died, singer oh. of Pretty Woman. 
I know. Drove all night. And he did drive all night. And uh, it was the year of the infamous Lockerbie bombing. So that's cheerful. Um, would you like to guess what was the number one single uh, that was in the UK charts when Willow came out in December of 1988? Oh, of course, yeah. It's another December Christmas movie. Uh, I would say... It wasn't like another version of Band-Aid, like Band-Aid 2 or something like that, was it? <laughs> it's a bit too soon to be Band-Aid 2. Band-Aid 1 hadn't come out too soon before. Yeah, I think Band-Aid 2 nope. might be 89, actually. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a Christmas song. Okay. It was Mistletoe and Wine. Oh, I hate Cliff that song. Richard. I hate <laughs> that song. terrible. There's so many better yeah. Christmas songs. That one's awful. Ugh. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Um, so this, yep, I say this came out in December of 1988. Um, would you like me to go into the budget and positioning in the charts of the year now, or should we leave that till later? Oh, I'll let you be the judge. What do you think? Mm, I'll do it now. Um, it ended up on a budget of 35 million, grossing somewhere in the region of 137 million. Now, I say that because the non US based revenues at cinema weren't particularly tracked for this film. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit unsure as to how well it actually did. And a lot of that would be down to its future home video sales where it did very well around the world. That placed it number 12 in the year's cinema releases. The top five, and let's see if you can see the um, the odd man out here, right? You ready? Mm-hmm. Top sure. five films for 1998 box office Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Naturally. Coming to America. Mm-hmm. Good Morning Vietnam. Never seen that. Big. Ah, oh, I love Big. And Crocodile Dundee 2. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this was the uh, Australia mania that America was going through at the time. I don't even think I've seen the second one. I think I've only seen the first I'm one. I'm sure I've seen both of them, but they kind of just meld into one yeah, film. totally. I don't think, I have absolutely no concept of them being two different movies. There you go. Yeah, there we go. That's your scene setting, or if you've got anything scene else. setting. No, no, that's it. That is a scene setting. It is 1988. Hair is big, shoulder pads are bigger. <laughs> and sword and sorcery fantasy epics have been dying on their ass at the box office. Will this be any different? We shall no. see. Yeah. <laughs> so, if this came out in 1988, I would have been mm. just turned four. You would have been three and a bit. So, how did you see this? Did you see this at the cinema? I was way too young, or was it years Television. later? Television. Television. Okay. Television. Right. I definitely saw this on television. I have very fond memories of watching it in my living room as a child on a Saturday night. Um, I think just before Gladiators was on. Okay, so that must likely have been early nineties take... then. Yeah. yeah, early nineties. Yeah, so it would have been. It would have been if I recall, and I might just be conflating memories. I have a memory of watching this followed by Gladiator, Gladiators, all the other way around, and KFC was involved. Well, naturally, you'd remember that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's classic Saturday night uh, in a childhood, uh, a Smith's childhood. KFC movie, men in latex pretending to fight. Sounds perfect. It's either <laughs> wrestling or gladiators. Either way, I'm watching it. Sounds like a good night for me. So, what was I? Do you know what? I'm a bit confused where I saw this. I think this was another instance of my parents renting this out at the video shop, but I think this came from the same off license we got the Tango and Cash from because I think it. <laughs> you and that off license. Yeah, I know. I know. Tango, Cash, Willow. Oh, and the other one I forgot to mention when I said about those inappropriate movies my dad read it was Robocop was another one watch yeah, that today. My, yeah my aunt rented me Robocop when I was about six whoops <laughs> <laughs> loved it didn't draw oh it's got a robot cop in it it'd be for kids <laughs> yeah he's shooting people and stuff but yeah um, yeah so I think I was about six or so so I think I probably watched it a couple of years after it came out I think I must have watched it around about 1990 or so probably school holidays 
remember watching it and enjoying it. But I've got very fond memories of the trailer because I think you had this as well. There was a video that had Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 on it. And in yes, between, it, it had a load of classic trailers on there. Uh, it had like Short Circuit on there, Baron Munchausen. And one of them was Willow. And I was like, oh, right. yeah. Yes, I did have that. Yeah, and I have very fond memories of that trailer because there's a bit with, 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 later on when Val Kilmer like, picks him up, puts him on his shoulders, and they're on the snow, the, the sled, and all that. And I remember all that just from the trailer. So I remember more of the trailer than I do the movie. I'm, I'm derailing us completely here, but did that two um, that that double VHS of Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters two not also have a couple of episodes of Black and White Batman randomly yeah. in the middle? It's completely yeah, unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, like just fast forward through them when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really annoying because you watch. Ghostbusters one, yeah, I want to watch Ghostbusters too. Oh, okay, forty minutes. <laughs> Fast forward that. Not like yeah, that, that tape must have been huge. Yeah, yeah, at least four hours, I think, four and a bit. But yeah, that's... I want to watch Ghostbusters too. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm sort of disappointed. <laughs> but this it's is the same then... film again. <laughs> But this is also back in the day when I loved watching videos, home rentals, because you got all the trailers and they were fun and they were interesting. And then, you know, you could see other shit you could rent you out. Got that that bloke with the, you got that bloke with the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses going, this is rated <laughs> 18. <laughs> An 18 yeah. certificate means it's only suitable for people aged 18 and over. Yeah, I never got the point of that. As you say, like, if you rent this out, you'll break the law or just be advised. If you show your kids this, you're bad parents. So I never really understood. <laughs> and I'd be watching it was. going, I think they've cast their die, mate. <laughs> but we digress anyway anyway well, we so did. okay so you watched it on telly in the early 90s i think i watched it really early 90s on a rental i think maybe i might have watched it again on telly but yeah it's not something i've watched often um and then i watched it a couple of days ago with my wife and it generally has been the last i've watched it in like what 30 odd years or something like that yeah i i, I haven't seen this since i was a child it's never come around and i think it's either because it's been hard to get hold of mm. or if it's not been hard to get hold of it's just something that hasn't ever occurred to me as one of those films that made that transition from childhood favorite into adult favorite and i think that's because the ones that made that transition for me were generally not kids films <laughs> oh yeah like it's, it's like, yeah predator it's <laughs> like oh yeah oh, yeah, i like predator when i was a kid now like i was an adult it stands the test of time it's like, no you should never have been watching it I mean, fair. Yeah. But, you know, but then again, there are other, there are other examples like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a kid's film mm. to a degree, that did make that transition quite happily from yeah. childhood to adulthood. Yeah. True. And we won't be covering Roger Rabbit because we know it holds up. We know it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, we're, not, we're not, really not covering that. It's a great film. I want to watch it, but. Yeah. It's very good. Anyway, shall we delve into the plot? Yes, let's. Cool. Well, you're going to have to keep your sensible, Smith, because. There's a lot of what in this film. Like I think, I think I've captured everything, but there is a, a lot point of shit in, going a on. A point in my notes I've just written, and then the boobly boo man goes to the dingly dongly forest to <laughs> capture the bibbly bubbly elves or something. something yeah, yeah, like that. I'm gonna butcher whatever race these people are or species or whatever. But I'm gonna try my best. So anyway, cool. So that what, no, you just have to remember they're not hobbits. They are definitely not hobbits, and not from the Shire. No. No, not the Shire. Not at all. Anyway, right. So we begin and we are told through introductory text that it's a time of dread. And the uh, evil... <laughs> the evil sorceress... Not dread. Not dread. The evil sorceress, Queen... I'm going to try and pronounce it. Bavmorda of Nokmar. She's heard a prophecy <laughs> that a child with a special... Already, it's already started. It's already Bavmorda of Noctar. It's just, what the fuck is some, that? I know. It's some Game of Thrones shit. Anyway, uh, so Queen Beth Mordor of Nokmar, she hears of a prophecy that a child bearing a certain birthmark will bring about her downfall. 
So then, as a preventive measure, she's captured all the pregnant women, I assume, who live near the castle, or is it just throughout the land? She's just taken them all, but... Whoever's whoever's there, whoever yeah. she can grab on. So this is this is where already where you probably start with this film, right? Because you're watching this, and it's, you know, this is the scene setting, but it's it's not it's not really going into enough detail like what kingdom does she rule yeah where is she what's happening what what is this prophecy what does it mean what does it actually entail you know i tell you some people love the lord of the rings films some people don't love the lord of the rings films i love the lord of the rings films we say what about them that scene setting in the first five minutes of lord of the rings tells you everything you need to know about how you've got over hundreds of years of history that provide you with a map of the world so you know where you are and it brings you up to speed in a way that makes all of this stuff that's otherwise impenetrable very easy to understand. You don't get that here. You get Baffin Order of Nokbar, and then here's a bunch of women. Yeah, it's like this baby is going to like overthrow her. How? Why? By whom? Yeah, it's so... Yeah, okay, fine. Doesn't get any clearer. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the Queen's kidnapped all these women. She's checking if the babies, once they're born, have got the birthmark. Uh, and then one child that does have the birthmark before the Queen can find it, she gives it to the midwife to smuggle it out. So, you know, she just walks out, no problem, no one questions this at all. They've been there going, right, we found this baby, that's brilliant, we're gonna go get the prophecy sorted, right? Let us leave all the doors unlocked. <laughs> yeah. And this midwife, who has up to this point been quite down with my evil schemes, will have a change of heart when it actually comes down to the business end of murdering a bunch of babies. Yeah. Totally. But once she realised this, the mother of the chosen child has lied to her, she just says, I'll kill her! And that's the last we see of her. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, yep, yeah, so then we see shots of uh, the midwife walking far and wide with the baby through snow, through lakes, through woods. I mean, cinematography is fantastic in this film. Cinematography is fantastic. It's filmed mainly in Wales and New Zealand, I believe. And so it looks absolutely beautiful. And a little bit around Skywalker Ranch where they had to do reshoots. Yeah. Um, that baby would be dead. Yeah. You cannot take a baby through minus zero temperatures without it severely dying. I don't know. Maybe it's a magical land where people, you know, are immune to this sort of shit. Well, it is, it is, it is a magical land. I'll give them that. It is, it is presented as such. But uh, this is why I always had troubles. So the shot we get with the baby, it's quite, quite young, you know, newborn. And then has the midwife been walking for months? Because the next shots you get, the baby's got hair. Right, and then also, yeah. these, what are these dogs called? I've just written down wild boars because I they, no, they call them they call them that they're dogs. They call them dogs. They call them the dogs. I thought they had a proper name. It was something. They don't strange. look like no, they're not like more that. hounds. They're called the not yeah, more. Oh, hounds. they're not more hounds. They're the hounds. They don't it. look like dogs. They look like pigs. They look like someone's put a pig costume on a dog. Well, apparently that's what it what was. They did. Yeah. Rottweilers, Rottweilers were costumes on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going into your Smith trivia, but yeah, that's so not the... trivia. That's just interesting. That's just cruelty to animals. It is. I'm surprised Arvin didn't just try and take it off because my dog would have done that back in the day if I'd put something on his head. But anyway, so these dogs have been hot on the midwife's trail for months, presumably, because the baby's aged quite a bit from right at the start of the film to this point. They're pretty dogged. (laughs) Please send your hate mail to one Michael Smith. Yes, do. (laughs) So at this point, the midwife realises, look, these dogs are going to kill me. At least I can save the baby. So not like Moses... Not like Moses. Not like Moses. This isn't like the Bible. No. This is nowhere like the Bible. The midwife sets the baby adrift on a tuft of dirt, I guess, and grass, and just pushes it down the river. You know, again, that'll be fine. Add, yeah, may I get mad? Baby would be dead. Totally. Baby's going to drown. 
Yeah, we see lots of shots later on of how vicious that water is, a massive waterfalls and shit. Oh no, it's just going to gently glide along until someone finds him. Mm. Uh, the hounds arrive and proceed to maul the midwife to death. That's the last we see of her as well. Yep, that's two people dead in the first five minutes. Pretty dark opening. Dark shit. Uh, then we get some nice shots of the baby floating down the river with credits and uh, not Lord of the Rings music. Not Lord of the Rings music. No, no, no. no. Well, it's, it's, this is pre-Lord of the Rings. You can't blame them on the music. Um, I don't know. They'd be James Horner. Of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good composer. And in fact, no, actually, no. I'm going to stop saying shit because it might go into your Smith trivia. Anyway. Uh, so down I, I will river, say I have nothing about James Horner. So if you want to say something about James Horner, you go, you go to town. Oh, the one bit of trivia I heard was... Um, this tune, the that you keep hearing, that's been used in a lot of trailers for movies. And someone said there was an early trailer for Jurassic Park that had this tune. I was like, that doesn't fit at that all. Doesn't fit at all. <laughs> I think that person <laughs> might be talking absolute shit. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, right. So then, eventually, the baby floats down the river and it arrives in the Shire. Oh, sorry, uh, the Nell Nell Windshire. Nelwynshire, which is where... Actually, that's just a place in Wales where they filmed it. It's just called Nelwyn, and they didn't bother changing it. There you go. Um, I made that up. Nah, well, it's plausible, but yeah, it's most like most things you say, it's probably shit. Anyway, so <laughs> they get to the Nelwyn village where the Nelwyn people live, and they are preparing for a festival. And then we see the baby is discovered by two children who turn out to be Willow. Willow, what's his name? Offgood. Offgood. Willow Offgood. And his two children Offgood. are found... The baby in the river. Now, keep it in mind, Warwick Davis was 17 when he made this movie. These children are clearly about seven and six. This speaks volumes. Well, we, we're we talking about sort of an old um, pre-industrial revolution farming community. The life expectancy would be roughly around about 23 to 24 years. So children would have been made much earlier. Perhaps. Again, I've just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then we see Willow's being hounded by... Is this guy supposed to be a landlord or is he just a local bully? Like I couldn't work out who this guy's supposed to be because like, Willow is a farmer, a pig farmer by the looks of things. Is the mayor? I thought it was like the mayor or something. Well, he comes over and starts giving him shit about his land and, and seeds, what seeds are you using and this sort of stuff. Just not very nice. Awful fella. lot of talk about seeds in this fantasy film. <laughs> so the first five line. minutes is around seed trading. Yeah, it's odd. Uh, but then the children are all like, oh, dada, dada, come see what we found. And they found the baby in the river. And they're like, oh, can we keep it? Isn't it cute? And he's like, no, fuck it. Let's push it down the stream and pretend we never saw it. And then and nobody is to fall in love with this. Two minutes later. Yeah. All is he, well. He falls in love with that kid real quick. It's like, like, like five minutes later, like, do you have love for this child? Yes. That's weird. <laughs> Just met the kid. Literally, like half an hour ago, you've met this kid. I've known people for years. Have you got love for them? No, certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. They can go on their own bloody quest. Uh, and then it's inside his very Yoda-looking house. We meet his wife, <laughs> Kaya, and she's she's like, oh, yeah, let's keep this baby. Let's love it. Like, Why? You've already got two kids of your own. You can't make much money being a pig farmer. Why would you also take an additional child in? An additional child who's going to grow to be taller than your house will allow. Yeah, the <laughs> house will destruct. Oh, I then, did write at this point around around Warwick Davis. What accent is he doing? Yes, I wrote that down as well. Warwick Davis like is very, very English in real life, and he's doing some weird American English shit. It's terrible. She's not. She's, she's British. Yeah. She's British. The kids are American. He's somewhere in between. It's, yeah, I don't know why he's bothering. I don't know why he's doing it. It's so weird. It's like a I weird choice, but they've said. Yeah, I always remember him being English from, from 
memory. So when I was watching it, I was like, why is he doing this accent? So I don't Because he can't do it either, so he should stop. I mean, I'd argue his acting altogether is a bit rubbishly. Well, things he's, I've not, always, he's not very good. <laughs> I've always remembered Warwick Davis being a pretty decent actor, especially in later stuff. And I'm like, why is he so fucking bad in this? But I guess this is his first proper film, because Return of the Jedi just up like a being, big bear. I always remember him being pretty shit in everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Maybe, he's so just maybe life is life is short. Yeah, that's that. yeah, that is funny. Oh, uh, but anyway, so Willow's getting himself in a bit of a state because he's going off to do some shit magic <clears> at that festival. And he's in a bit of a state because he wants to be picked as the next apprentice of Gwildor. Sorry, not Gwildor. Uh, uh, the High Oldwin. High Oldwin. <laughs> <laughs> not Master right Universe, Gwildor! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he wants to be the new apprentice of the High Oldwin, who's get like the Gandalf of this village that they live in. And... He's, like, he's like the Christmas elf. He's like the Burgess Meredith of this film. Yeah. Somewhere in between Gandalf and Burgess Megaradith. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, he goes to that festival and he's doing a bunch of magic tricks. This festival looked quite fun. There's people dancing around and there's good food and a good time. And he's doing these really amateur looking tricks. Although I still don't know how he did that one with the stick with the flame that he put through his arm. I was like, oh, how have you done that? Unless you've just moved your arm and put it up. I hope it didn't set you on fire. But yeah. Uh, and then he does a trick where he makes a pig disappear. And it kind of does, but then the pig runs out. And was ah, oh, you're, you're a fraud. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Hadn't <laughs> actually made a pig disappear. What do you think oh, he's doing? Stupid. I wonder if that will come back at any point towards the end. Yeah, there's an awful lot of pig in this film. And one particular scene, which we'll come to. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And then this makes no sense. So the high old win is going to pick his apprentice, right? And instead of doing something a bit more elaborate, he literally plays Paul My Finger. With the village. Which finger has the magic? What? How is that a test of being a sorcerer, picking what finger yeah. has the magic in it? Also, as, as a system of deciding your apprentice is deeply flawed, whoever goes first has a much better chance, or a much worse chance, depending on how you look at it. If he picks the right one, then the other two don't even get a shot at it. Yeah. How, how's make... that fair? No, they might be wrong for the job. It's purely a game of chance. But yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, pinky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Willow has a go at it last. You think he might have done it, and he hasn't. So there will be no apprentice this year. Oh, never mind. I mean, this means he's going to have to do all his own dirty work. Prentice just does all the cleaning up after him. I mean, he's going to do his own cleaning up and making his own potions. Oh, yeah, he doesn't, really, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know what an apprentice is for. Yeah, it seems like a chore to a, to appoint an apprentice. Are so you missing the point here, Gwildor? You're totally missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at this point, is it one wild boar or, or a few of them? But anyway, it's, it's two, I think. Two, I think, yeah. So some wild boars turn up, stop fucking shit up. Uh, but they're quickly killed by the villagers with the spears. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they kill it instantly. And then they, they have a town meeting about this. And then they start saying, why have these boars come here? And then Willow decides to show the baby to them. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? That must have been what they were coming for. Why? Why was Billy Barty? Billy Barty knows. I mean, fuck knows how he knows, but he knows. Well, I mean, he's Gwildor, so why wouldn't he know? (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't they just been a pack of dogs who just happened to run in because they're wild dogs? Why were they specifically after something? Oh, Uh, no, they were the the, the Knockmore hounds. Oh, I guess they know about them because of the Queen. So they're like, they're still, try- oh, they're still okay, trying fine. to find the baby. I mean, frankly, if I was the Queen, I'd be working on the assumption that the baby had died of exposure by this point. I don't know whether the... Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. That's something that's never really explained either. Um it's never really explained what the Queen wants the baby for. Yeah, well, no, to do this ritual. Why should he yeah, do this the, ritual? The ritual was just... never explained either. Just, just smack its head off a rock. Well, that's what I thought. Why did Babies you stab are it? notoriously easy to kill. They don't fight back. 
Please Pick it up by the fence, swing one, it Michael at Smith. the wall. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Hate mail to one, Michael Smith. <laughs> anyway, so in, after they just decide that that's what the, the hounds are after, the baby, <laughs> the high old wind is going to decide fire a bag of bones what to do with it. <laughs> even mean why didn't he just say to him just get rid of it will you just take it out this village it's a danger it's the point where um well, yeah, if the bones are falling a certain way well we're eating the baby uh baby's <laughs> dinner that's what the bones are telling me oh, i don't know what the bones are telling you not what my bones telling me billy barty <laughs> so weird but they decide that the most kind and easiest thing to do is to take it where there are i've written this down daikini which is basically humans so non-little people yeah. daikini so um <laughs> even though the high old win has told Willow you won't be my apprentice he starts blowing smoke up his arse saying oh you could be a great sorcerer and even though his magic show earlier on was awful and he didn't pick him and he's like yes you should be the one who should, should take the baby to the daikini I was like, you're massively contradicting yourself mate or maybe they just all wanted to get rid of Willow just get out of here he's also a bit of a charlatan as well because he was like he says I'll consult the bones the bones tell me nothing what do you think we should do <laughs> I don't know. They're just bones. I got them off a dead man's hand that I found in a bush. They don't really tell me much. I use them as a toothpick. Bloody Charlotte. And then the old wind gives Willow some acorns that turn things to stones. Like, these might prove useful later. Spoiler alert, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> I rem- the thing is, I had this memory of them proving useful, but no, they, they do not prove useful. Um, yeah, and his little mate decides to come with him. Migosh. Uh, Migosh, who looked exactly like um, I looked exactly like uh, the, the lead singer of Dexy's Midnight Runner. I mean, perhaps it was. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, Migosh happily wants to go. Then a bunch of people, like that arsehole landlord we saw, he gets volunteered to go. So, cut. Yeah. Whole bunch of them get volunteered to go and off they're going to go on a magical adventure. Not not the Hobbit. Not the Hobbit. Not, not the Hobbit. Not the Hobbit. The, the one who's their best their best swordsman, he uh, looks exactly like John Oates from Hall and Oates. <laughs> he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and then the background is Tony Cox from um, yes, Bad Santa. Yeah, I oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So you've got Bad Santa, you've got John Oates, and you've got the lead singer of the, the, the Dexys Midnight Runners. Now that's a fellowship. All off on an adventure. Now that is a fellowship of a ring. <laughs> Don't ask which one. Yeah, but no, they all decide, off we go, we're going to go take this baby out of here and give it some humans and make it their problem. And then we get, we get a shot where Willow's kids are really trying to shit him up about, like, trolls and stuff like that and other stuff he's going to encounter. I was like, wait, wait, why are you saying all this to him? Yeah. And he's like, I hate trolls. I hope I don't find a troll. He's like, you're definitely finding a troll. Although not by like, any troll I've ever seen in any sort of fantasy before in my life. Yeah, that was the laziest troll I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, uh, then Willow says goodbye to his wife Kaya. She gives him some hair for some reason. I was like, does yeah. this, this doesn't even come back. Above one point, he just looks at it later on. It's like, it's not like it was yeah, magic hair. I've cut off quite a lot of my hair. <laughs> so what would you do that for? <laughs> I'd be like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. stupid. I don't want to carry now. this around. I'm putting this in the bin. <laughs> some manky old hair with me. Yeah, Ugh, horrible. Anyway, so. We get some shots of the Fellowship going off and they're walking past. Again, wonderful cinematography, you know, waterfalls, fields, all that sort of thing. All looks... I did write here, it's like the Lord of the Rings, if the Lord of the Rings were a bit shit. Yeah. Discount Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, then what oh, yeah, and then because that horrible bastard landlord's with him, it just, the baby decides to puke all over it and I've written down, good. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this guy. He was very mean what to I've... Willow. Whatever... <laughs> 
what I've written down here is um, this is all very like it's, it's it's it falls into the trap that a lot of fantasy films fall into is that it's very over earnest. Yeah, everything with Willow in particular is very over earnest. He everything he says is important. Everything he says is heartfelt. Everything he says is saccharine, and everything he says makes me want to smack him in the teeth. <laughs> He's so whiny. Like he's like you he's are not a so likable whiny. character. Oh no! Why are we doing this? Stop! <laughs> <sighs> no, you can't put the baby down. I'm carrying the baby. Tell the baby to be quiet. The baby needs feeding. Like, oh, shut the fuck up, that baby. Good lord, my man. What are you doing? <laughs> no wonder your village wanted to get rid of you. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's it's all just very and and all of this stuff is problem is a problem with the pacing of the film. The film is very badly paced. Like it's yeah. very badly structured. And all of this stuff with the little fellowship that they're collecting to go yeah. off on their walk is completely pointless. Mm. Like it's completely pointless. All of this arguing about who goes and then selecting who goes and then them walking around the forest for 15 minutes. It has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't no. lead anywhere. No, they should have literally just sent Willow off maybe with me, gosh, and that's it. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, so after that, back at the castle, Bav Morda yeah, sends her daughter, Saoirse, and General Skeletor, uh, Kale, sorry, General Kale. <laughs> General, not Skeletor. <laughs> General, not Skeletor. General Kale. Kale, named after a plant of the Braska family. Yeah. Nothing that frightens me more than it's something that I had for dinner last night. Wow. Ooh. Clearly. Um, yeah, so they say, yeah, go bring the baby back and bring it back to us so she can do the ritual. Why she doesn't say, look, you know when you find out baby, yeah? Kill it. Why Why bring it back yeah. for this fucking ritual? This ritual's Stand about bringing its soul into the Netherlands or some rubbish like that. come back. It's like it's a baby. I mean, even if its soul gets reincarnated into a new baby, you've bought yourself 18 months. Yeah. Before you have to worry about that shit again. I am... Um, There's a bit where, where she's talking about the sorcerers and one of the sorcerers is like, the baby of the prophecy? The one that can destroy you? It's like, thank you for reminding us of the prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we hadn't forgotten that because it's been said a million times. Right, you don't need to keep reminding us. And it will continue to be uh, reminded throughout. And then during this conversation, I put, is that Gary Oldman standing with the Queen? <laughs> <laughs> so you're very Gary Oldman looking like, like what I check, I mean, it's not, it's not Gary Oldman. Oh, then what? Yeah. And then what you said about the point is bit in the woods. Then we just get like shots of like, Kale's army and the boars running around and them hiding. It's like this is very Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, this is like very... the riders, you know. Yeah, and this is the bit where the two of the guards are. Like, they couldn't have got far. Should we just check over here? No, <laughs> <laughs> let's not. And also, just going back to earlier, why were the hounds in in their win? Why are they just searching absolutely everywhere, hoping they'll find the baby? Running around like a headless chicken trying to find a baby to eat. <sighs> Yeah. We've all been there. We have. Uh, we get more Fellowship of the Ring shots and musical score. And at this point is when we meet Val Kilmer's character, Mad Martigan. And he's in a cage for some reason that isn't really explained. I've read stuff that apparently he nicked something, but it's not really explained. They call him a thief there. later on. Yeah. In, the, in the scene in the tavern, they call him a thief. And then when I was like, you're not really a thief. Are you? And it's like, oh, gives a shit. He's helped you up till this point. He's going to keep helping you. Gives him he's a thief. Don't be so judgy, you prick. <sighs> I'm jumping ahead. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But apparently there was some more lore about his character and later on Saoirse and stuff like that. But it's so vague. I'm like, who is this guy? Why has he been put there? Why is he a swordsman? Where's he come? What does he stand for? We don't learn anything about it. For a film over two hours long that feels over two hours long, 
it does a very bad job of explaining what's going on. It just yes. repeats the same bits of information again and again. Yeah. It's like, you could just tell us something new. Yeah, they don't. Or give us a little bit of character development. But they don't. They don't. We learn very little about all of these characters. Uh, but yes, Mad Martigan is in a cage. He starts being an arsehole to Will. It's the, uh, Willow starts calling him Peck, which I can only assume is a horrible slur for little people. Uh, and he's demanding water and or to be freed. He's like, which one is it? Do you want the water or do you want to be freed? <laughs> like, well, what is it? <laughs> it's um, it's funny as well because it's the crossroads where they, they get to the crossroads. Yeah. And this was the um the the the, the grand Nelwyn or the whatever his name was Billy Bartley. Yeah. Oh, Gildor. Um. So what Gildor had told them was, you have to take the baby to the crossroads. Um, that's right crossroads, yeah. crossroads. <laughs> um, he doesn't tell them what to do with the baby once they get to the crossroads <laughs> they, so they get there and there's Mad Martin in a cage and what they just wait for someone to come along yeah go, some humans I've got, go, I've, got a ba- I've got a baby you have it I don't want to which is essentially what happens you know yeah oh because at this point Willow is getting annoyed with Mad Mark and he threatens him with an acorn, but he doesn't actually do anything. He just loses his bottle. He's like, I don't want to waste it. And just puts it away. <laughs> and then Willow's <laughs> villagers at this point go, oh, fuck this. They're just leaving. <laughs> well, it was well fun apart from me. Gosh, oh, I'll stay. <laughs> Bogle cuts up. Right, I'm off. Why are you here? What is this? Why are these characters? They don't even get a comeuppance. Nothing. They don't even die. Nothing happens. Yeah, when they went back to the village, why didn't the high old wind say, hey, what are you doing back? Wait, <laughs> back, back, you back go. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Can't leave him like that. You um, had a job. You're still on the clock, boys. Oh, but there's just an awful lot of them standing around talking to Mad Martigan, rather than just getting up and walking. But Oh, it makes more sense, though. You said they're just waiting there at the crossroads for something to, to come along. Yeah, they go to bed, and they wake up, and they talk some more. Talk some more. And then at this point, Mad Martigan's saying, oh, look, if you give me the baby and you free me, it'll be my problem, and I'll look after it. And Willow's being all like, mm, not sure, not sure. And then I think it's at this point, we get an army of dudes come along, and one of them is Ek. Ek? Ek. Yeah. Ek. <laughs> Who Mad, Mad Martigan knows, but he hasn't really elaborated how they know each other. What, did they serve in the same army? Did the same family? Like this, what? this is explored in more detail in in the novelization. Um, I've got some right. bits about. There's some character stuff that gets fleshed out for Mad Martigan in the got novelization. Ya. Got yeah. Um, and then Willow says to Eck, "Can you take the baby?" He's like, "No, Peck, like we're going to fight a war. Give it to a woman." So, wow. <laughs> yeah, chivalry is it. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down as well. It's like, yeah. But also, what's Willow trying to do? Like, oh, hello, bunch of men going to war. Please take this baby. I'm sure it will be safe on a battlefield. Yeah. So then finally, after all this sodding about, <laughs> Willow and Migosh finally free Mad Martigan. And then at this point, he takes the baby and walks off. And I'm like, I'm still not getting, why are you trusting the baby with this man? He's in a cage. Right, he's tried to kill Willow. Right, the army of people walking by didn't want to free him, so why they've decided to free him and give this baby? I don't know. But for whatever reason, they're like, right, there's the baby. Off you go. Not our problem anymore. No, people didn't want to free him. One of them was his mate, and he was like, ha 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 ha. Enjoy your cage. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> Dick. There you go. But yeah, off he goes. And then the next shot we get, Migos and Willow sure are proud of themselves. They give the baby the prince like, oh, we did a good deed. Off we go. No, you didn't. You gave him to a potential maniac. <laughs> you give him to a man in a cage. And I don't know much. But I know you don't give babies to men in cages. <laughs> Absolutely not. And then, oh my God, this bit. 
from now on, he's just going to annoy the piss out of me. So the way I, they meet those annoying shit borrowers, sorry, brownies, and <laughs> <laughs> he'll be present for the rest of the film. So they start firing arrows at them, I think, and then they come swooping in because they've stolen baby Alora Dadin on <laughs> an eagle, and they've nicked that presumably from Mad Martigan for some reason. And then... Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, that's when Willow and Migos fall into a trap, like a bear trap. <laughs> They're tied up like Gulliver's Travels. I've How written that down. Do Gulliver's to... Travels. <laughs> How many more movies do you want to rip off on books? I mean, look, George Lucas has a track record of ripping stuff off, right? Like, Star Wars is just a hodgepodge of westerns and samurai films yep. in space. He's done that here as well. He's just ripped off a bunch of other stuff. He's ripped off his own movies. It's like Star oh, Wars. Star Wars, around yeah. About, yeah. I mean, Man Martigan or not, Han Solo. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> Han Solo. Um, so yeah, they're dragged off by the borrowers, sorry, the brownies, and then we then see Tinkerbell fairies flying around. <laughs> One of them kisses uh, uh, Willow on the nose, and then that's when we're greeted by the fairy queen, hang on, I'm going to have to pronounce Shalindria, I think her Shal- name is. <laughs> this bit, this bit, I didn't remember any of this bit from when I was a kid, no, but like, the effects are terrible, like just this Gormless looking woman <laughs> lit up in orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then we get this whole thing where, like, she explains that it's baby Alora Dannon and she's the foretold princess. I'm going to have to pronounce Ter Asleen. And then she gives Will this magic wand and says, You need to go find Finn Raziel, who's an aging enchantress. And the baby somehow understand everything that's going on, and she's chosen Willow to be her protector and, you know, guardian. Like, even though she, he's just given her to Mad Martigan. Why would she then choose him to do this? So what I've written down here is, uh, take my wand to the sorcerer Binglybong, who will lead you to the kingdom of Boobliboo. <laughs> that is all this is. Just cons- it's just w- word soup. It's just like, what is what is this woman going on about? Yeah, and I couldn't work out. Am I missing a trick? Am I being thick? Or is this just really poorly explained? <laughs> Very <laughs> poorly explained. There's also, oh, here, take my wand. Ah, you're going to teach me how to use it? No. <laughs> <laughs> see, oh, you'll figure it out. And I couldn't work this out earlier on. Like, is Willow supposed to be a magician or he's supposed to be a sorcerer? Because those tricks he was doing were not sorcery tricks. They were magic tricks. Fake. Yeah. So, like, yeah make I your mind up. What are you? Either. Are you a magician or are you a sorcerer? What are you? And uh, take this comic relief with you while you go. Oh god! Unnecessary comic relief. And you know it's had no trial run of Jar Jar. Well, no, because they're not there. The trial run of Jar Jar Binks is like we don't need you. You're just going to be annoying. No, I mean I guarantee you, George Lucas saw this film when it finished. Yeah, could have done with more brownies. I've got an idea. Oh no, sorry, it's George Lucas. Yeah, I've got an idea. Um, really could have done with some more brownies. Surprised he hasn't gone back and tinkered with it like he has for Star Wars. There's multiple different versions of this movie. I've uh, um, made Willow six foot one. That was how it was always supposed to be. <laughs> we always wanted Imperial droids in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so at this point, Willow sends Migosh home uh, with his blessing, and he continues on the journey with the two brownies, borrowers, brownies, whatever. They're Migosh, called... again, completely pointless character. Why was he there? He didn't do anything. He's supposed to be like a Samwise Ganji or something, but he doesn't really do anything. You could have killed him to raise the stakes and show that yeah. actually people could die in this world because nobody yeah. dies. Nobody important dies. No. Oh, except Ick. Ick. Oh, yeah, that bit's quite good, though, later on. Anyway, spoiler alert. Uh, right, so the, these two brownies are called Frangian and Rule. And yes, those who mentioned, they are beyond fucking annoying, even though one of them is played by Kevin Pollock. I was like, Kevin, Kevin Pollock, yeah, Pollock. From, the usual, <laughs> from the usual suspect. Like, oh, he went on to do better stuff. Much better stuff. 
Yeah, Kevin Bollock being incredibly annoying and wearing a dead mouse's head as a hat, which is weird. Um, yeah, then we get, as you mentioned, so Willow then goes to a tavern because he's looking for milk for the baby. Uh, but as usual, he's treated like shit. Let's <laughs> go hide in a corner by everyone. Yeah. Get out of it, Peck. Why is everyone so horrible to little people in this <laughs> film? They got any milk for baby? Babies? I hate babies. Get out of it, you. <laughs> and then the brownie start being all caught to some women in the tavern. Go, go, look at us. What the fuck? And then, for some reason, they're carrying around love potion with yeah, them. Yeah, I've read this. Why do they have it? It's a bit like in um, Santa Claus with, you know, the, the fairy dust that makes you fly. But yeah, why have they got love potion? And then the Kevin Pollock character gets hit with it and then starts fancying a cat for some reason. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. And this rule only makes sense when it wants to make sense. Like, even though he got hit with that dust and was right there next to Willow, he doesn't start fancying Willow. It's only then when he sees the cat. <sighs> And this comes in the back same later. way that yeah, it's, it's the same thing happens later. And maybe it's just saying that Willow is unlovable. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd rather have sex with a cat <laughs> than even consider Warwick Davis. Or oh, Warwick Davis. Oh god. Um yeah, and at this point, Willow re-encounters Mad Martigan because he's dressed as a woman, because oh that's hilarious. Just like we've seen in yep. other movies that we've seen. Tango done. and Cash. <laughs> Tango and Cash. Uh God, well, there was something else we covered with someone dressed as a woman. It's all so hilarious, but it's not. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, well, I mean, they use this in loads of films in Wild Wild West. They're still using yeah. it like 15 yeah. years later. Or whatever. Oh, no comical. So, yeah, so Mad Martigan's been boffing someone's missus, and then this guy called Lug, he comes in and he says to Mad Martigan, What a breed! Breed! <laughs> what? Now, I don't know about you, Stu, but that is the pickup line I've used with every woman I've ever met. But that's how you got arrested. That is how I got arrested. I just go <laughs> to every woman and go, do you want to breed? <laughs> oh, it'd be funny if they said yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, and at this point, Saoirse and Skeletor's army arrives, but then Mad Martigan's revealed to be a bloke to Luke, and then he starts a brawl. <laughs> then he inadvertently punches someone, and I think this is when we get, yeah, Mad Martigan's flirting a little bit with Saoirse, who is Joanne Wally, who then go on to be his wife. Uh, and then this, this is when, when get... Lug goes, not a woman. Not a woman. I was almost gay. I must beat everybody up. <laughs> it's like those westerns when suddenly everyone in the bar is just fighting everyone for no reason. Fuck it. <laughs> Why not? I've had a few. <laughs> oh. And then, yeah, Willow and Mad Mark are going to escape with the baby and there's a big old chasing. So finally, after about 50 minutes or so, we actually get something interesting going on because the rest of it's just been blah, 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 talk, 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 no, no, nothing, nothing. And then we get a good old chase scene on the horse and carriages with the da, 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 da. I remember that bit very clearly. I remember yeah. that. that that's this sequence I remember from when I was a child. Yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed this bit. I was like, okay, but it's... They're very few and far between these scenes. And like you said earlier, there's more action in the second half, but it just takes so long to get going. So, oh, I sort of don't really care now. Oh, uh, yeah. So then what happens? Then, yeah, once all that's all over, then Willow's like, you could have killed us. Oh, you don't do that to a baby. Oh. Oh, God, this is his start of you don't do that to a baby. It's lots and lots and lots of this. The, the cart that they were on just fell apart. I've just written down, shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. Bunch of cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys, Ted! They're a bunch of cowboys! cowboys. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, so then we get, like, scenes of Mad Martin walking through the field and Willow's been like, you've got to help us! Like, you didn't care earlier on. He's proven to be completely inept. Like, the baby was stolen from him. Why do you not want his help? Oh, dear. Um, then what happens? And then... Then there's, like, scenes... Oh, yeah, because they, they stop and have, like, a little campfire. That's sequence. right. Yeah. 
And then Willow's pissing around like doing magic. He's like, whoa, now I'm in a tree because he's messing around with that wand at the, uh, the witch gate. No, not yeah. the witch, uh, the, the fairy princess thing he gave he's him. Like, Man, Mardigan, I'm in a tree. <laughs> whoa, hilarious. Um, this is the bit where, this is a weird line. I wrote this one down. It's this where uh, Val Kilm or Man Mardigan says, um, yeah, and I'm the king of Kashmir. It's like, wait, is Kashmir a place in this world? Where is this set? Yeah, is I couldn't work out if this meant the Earth What's or Middle on? Earth or where it's supposed to be. Like, I couldn't work it out. Oh, dear. Um, then what happens? Then, yep, yeah, do the camping bit. They're messing about. And then the Queen's proper pissed at them for not getting the baby. So presumably yeah. just go back and get it again. Uh, and then she's going on about that bloody ritual again. Like, oh, I need to do it for the ritual. <laughs> it's all, all of her scenes of her seeing the same thing. She is very hammy. Very, <laughs> very. very hammy. She was um kind of a Jean Marsh is her name, and she was a staple of um BBC and ITV television from sort of this time. So he was in yeah. Doctor Who and all that, and it and it her performance reeks of it. It reeks of Sunday night on the BBC. Now this is not a film performance. This is also the bit where her advisor goes, mm, Saucer may turn on you. So, I'm more worried about you. <laughs> it's like uh yeah, this is gonna come back and bite you in the arse in about twenty minutes. It doesn't though, does it? The or Gary Oldman advisor doesn't do anything. No, but her daughter does. Ah, uh, yeah, fine. Because he was like, to... yeah, anyway. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Mad Martin's feeding the baby black root for some reason. He starts yeah, becoming more and more. Feed black fruit, black root to a baby. It's like, oh, God. Such that whole scene man. by the waterfall where that happens is completely pointless. They yeah. stop by the waterfall. They have an argument yeah. about black root, which never comes to anything. And then they go to the next scene. Like, yeah. What was that? What? You, this film is two hours and six minutes long. This film is too long. There's a lot 20, of stuff that got cut out. At least 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Oh, but at this point, Mad Morgan and Willow then part ways. Oh, thank Christ, I'll stop arguing. This now. is a bit um, where he goes to leave and Willow goes, Mad Martigan? Thanks. I've <laughs> 44 takes and that was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and then... Willow sails away in a boat. Now, apparently there was a bit that was cut out where there was a mm. fight with a fish man and that's when he used one of his acorns or something because yeah. he only actually uses two in this movie. You think what happened to the third one, but it's because of a deleted scene. That's why. Uh, at this point, once he's reached land, he meets Finn Raziel, who is some sort of possum squirrel muskrat thing. And you're made to believe <laughs> that the Queen Border turned her into that for some reason instead of killing her, but she's some powerful sorceress just like the Queen or some yeah. shit. <laughs> That's what I've written down. Or some shit. Some or some shit. Oh uh, yeah. And at this point, that's when Kale's army arrives and Mad Martigan's there. And for some reason, I've written this down. They've taken the liberty of dressing him in much nicer clothes because earlier on he was still wearing the women's outfit for when he was dressed up in the tavern, and now they've given him much nicer clothes. Why would they do that? <laughs> um, oh. This bit where they get there and they throw him off the horse, and then you hear someone off screen go, "I told you we'd find them without your help." So, so they added that line in later. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of shit in post-production. Um, yeah, oh, I'm deliberately not trying to reference them too much because they're so annoying. But we keep getting shots every now and again of the brownie just being like bah, 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 and saying something, and like no one reacting to what they're saying. Like, but they're... right because they're not there. <laughs> Why are they <laughs> in this film? And the effects are pretty good. Yeah, they're just fucking annoying, and there's no oh, yeah, for pointless. them. Yeah, there's no need for them to be there. Yeah. Uh, so Willow, Mad Martigan, and Razio are being led away, very Fellowship of the Ring style. And this is the point then. It, it's very set piece, isn't it? We're here, and now we're here, and now we're here, now we're and now we're here. Yeah, now they're in the snow, and Willow and Mad Martigan are in cages, and the borrowers are trying to get them out unsuccessfully. 
And at this point, yeah, this is when Willow's trying to turn Raziel back to her human form, and he manages to turn him into a raven. It's like, oh, you're just proving time to be a about, shit sorcerer. Question I had about, why was, about him turning her into a human form is why was he trying to do it while she was inside the cage? <laughs> well, it would have made more sense <laughs> to transform her into a human form outside the cage so she could let them out of the cage. And also, if she was in the snow, she would have been very cold. Which, yeah. yeah. Then she turned into a human form. Um, yeah, it turns into a raven. And then, for some reason, the borrowers then hit Mad Martigan with a love potion for some reason. Why? Well, then he does not fall in love with Warwick Davis. Exactly. Well, straight away, why didn't he turn to him? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't at all. Oh, God. Uh, that would have been a very different film. It would have. And then I can't work out, I can't remember if they break out of the cages or the borrowers get them out of the cage, but somehow or another, Mad Martigan and Willow get out of the cage. And instead of Mad Martigan just going to get the baby, he starts getting all horny around Saoirse in her tent and being a bit rapey with her and starts saying there's some weird poetry to, to her or some shit. It's, yeah, and she starts being all conflicted, like, oh, I don't like you, but you're Val Kilburn, you're very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then what happens? Then we. Kale's army arrives again, and we have a load of sword fighting. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So we've had like battle with the, yeah. you know, the chariots. Now we're getting this. Like, okay, now we're getting into the action. So I've, written here, I've written down here the henchmen run into Valkyrie's sword and go, ah! They see you going like, ah! Mate, don't run into a sword. Then you won't die. No. Uh, and it's straight after all that fun. Then we have the, the sleigh thing. So I couldn't wear it. If it's an actual sleigh where he just grabbed hold of a shield or it's something. A shield. They it's on. a shield. It's a shield. Okay. So on the shield, they start, you know, sledding away. It looks like tremendous fun uh, all over the mountains. And then <clears throat> big Mad Martigan goes flying off and then starts going into a big avalanche. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> but Willow's like, oh, no, just slates into someone's house. I'm like, now where are they? Now they're in a village where X army are for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> Why are they yeah, here? Yeah. X is, is hanging out on a mountain in the snow with his army. And then Mad Martigan arrives as a giant snowball man. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> thought it was ridiculous. And then suddenly the potion's worn off. He's like, oh, I wasn't in love with Sorcia. Oh, no, I hate her. I want to break her leg or some shit like that. <laughs> but she is quite fit. <laughs> yes. And I will marry her after this film. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Eck said they're still after the art. They're after the queen because her army defeated his army or some shit. Yeah. Again, not very well explained. And he's, he's still like, we will not help you. No. You are on your own. But we might help you later. Um, at what point? At this point, yeah, Sorcia Skeletor and Co arrives, and they're hiding in a trap door. And even then, not Val Kilmer's being a bit quiet to Sorcia, even though he literally just said earlier on, "No, I don't like her." Are you? And then they take her prisoner. I think at this point, yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, he takes her prisoner. They take her prisoner, but then she very quickly escapes, like immediately, very very quickly <laughs> escapes, almost straight away. Yeah, we get a little bit of flirting with them on the hall, so then she runs off, and then that's kind of the end of that. I'm like, oh, all right, that was pointless. Um, and then what? Oh, yeah, then Willow tries again to turn Raziel into a human form, but this time, hilariously turns her into a goat. So the first of the film, she's going to be like, Neh! Yeah, she's now talking like a goat. She didn't talk like a like a raven. I don't know how that would work. Ah! <laughs> yeah, ah! No, so now she's talking like a goat. Yeah. Yeah. Whilst also having a go at him, being like, you can do it, you're an idiot. <laughs> Wake up, your mind. Um, yeah, because he's a really shit sorcerer. He just proves this time, but I'll you're a really shit sorcerer. Well, he's not really good at anything, he doesn't do no, anything. No, he he's not. He stands there while stuff happens around him. Yeah, while Mad Martigan does all the heavy lifting. But yeah, so at this point, they've arrived at 
really don't. Tier Aslin, I think this place Tier is called. Yeah, Tier it's, a, it's it's cursed and people are frozen in statues, very much like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I've written down it's overrun with the monkeys from the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> just without their wings. Yeah, these are these, these are, are trolls, the trolls. <laughs> trolls. <laughs> these are blokes in monkey suits. How are these trolls? <laughs> oh my god, it's ridiculous. I remember uh, being quite creeped out by the trolls when I was a kid. I don't the, know why. the bits where they're kind of creeping around under the or climbing uh, over the rocks and creeping under the bridge. That was I, cool. I remember I that being that. quite creepy. Yeah, that was a cool special effect. Um, yeah, and then we get another big old battle because Kale's army arrives and Mad Mart are going. Willow trying to fend them off with some very Home Alone looking traps, like his army going a lot of crossbow shooting. Which is the bit where Kale's army breaks in, and then what you get is all of their running around, but they're only fighting one man. <laughs> like, why are they all running around? That's true, they're only fighting Matt Martin. <laughs> Although Willow manages to push a bunch of them through with a sword, like, yeah! <laughs> he manages to kill about three of them. And then... I mean, you'd... Go you'd be able to kill Willow very quickly. Very quickly. Boot him off the bridge. Get out of here, you. Uh, and this this bit really freaked me out because I don't even remember it. Willow shocks one of the, the monkeys, the trolls, sorry, with his wand, and it turns into this really horrible-looking cocoon thing. And he's it's like, grim. And he kicks Proper it into the grim. water. And yeah, it's disgusting. And then it just turns into this two-headed dragon-type thing, and then that starts attacking everyone. It's like, okay, this is getting kind of cool now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fucking See, shit up. This, I remember this bit. I remember this bit very, very clearly. And I remember this bit being the end of the film. Yeah. This bit is not the end of the film. When this bit is over, there is another half an hour of film left to go, which feels really oddly like again, it's built to this slowly and then very quickly, and then there's still more to come. I just don't get this film's pacing at all. It could have ended here. Rather than this Tiraslin bit, they could have just made their way to the Queen's castle and just had more of a battle there. This battle just seems insignificant. Why why are you doing this? I can't even remember why they were going there anyway. Why were they going to Tiraslin? Because that's Tiraslin is where Alora Dannon was from. Ah, right. Like she's the princess Got of Tyrus Lynn, so they're going to take her back there. But it's to, all cursed. Yeah. It's all cursed, and Queen Princess Mumby from Return to Oz has um, killed everyone. <laughs> yeah, she was good in Return to Oz. I like Return She was good in Return to Oz. She was. Perhaps we should cover Return to Oz. Oh, perhaps. Anyway, it's very yeah. dark. It is. Oh, at this point, we get another bit where he's trying to fend off the monkeys and whoever else. He tries to use an acorn, he ends up dropping one. Oh, you are fucking useless, Willow. You are absolutely useless. <laughs> so I remember, see, this is again, I remember he used the acorn on the dragon. Well, I remember when I was a kid, he threw, he threw it in its mouth and it turns the thing to stone. And that's how I remember this ending. And I can't, I, I must have completely made that up. Because that's yeah, not what know. happens at all. No, man, um, Martin kills it, doesn't he? I think he just like stabs it or something and then it dies. He puts his sword through its mouth so it can't breathe fire. And then it that's tries right. to breathe fire and its head blows up, I think no. is what. Um, luckily, that dragon can't leave the little pool it's stuck in for budget reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just going, can't leave there. At this point, the sorcerer arrives and inexplicably turns good, just starts like, getting off a mad mark. <laughs> Why? Why have you suddenly decided to go good? Apart from Falcon was very handsome. Why? Why? Yeah, no it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. She fell in love with him super quick. Even the bit back at the camp where he was trying to woo her, she was she was into it. <laughs> but. You're meant to be helping your evil sorcerer mum kill this child and then take over the world. I question mark. I'm not entirely sure. Does she already control the world? Question mark. Don't really know. Um, who knows what's going on? Um, and after this point, I think she has about three lines of dialogue for the rest of the film. Yeah. 
She does very. She little. doesn't do anything after this. It's like, oh, she's oh. now kissed Valkyrie. That's it. Her role's over. Thank you, Joanne Wally. I mean, there's little bits with her character which just didn't make any sense. Like, right from the beginning, her character's making sense, but it's like, why didn't they like leave the reveal of her being gorgeous till later? Like, why did you see her straight away? Why didn't they have her under a mask for most of it? Yeah, and then exactly. when she takes her, she takes her mask. I was like, oh, she's a bit of a riot, um, or whatever Val Kilmer would say in that situation. Um, yeah. <laughs> it said, no, no, she's just she's just very attractive all the way through. You know, oh, but she's not going to stay evil then because that's not how these films work. She's clearly the love interest. Exactly, but yeah, and then during- unless it's going to be a big twist and he's going to fall in love with General Kale. Or Willow. He loved him all along. Yeah, he did. It's you I've loved, Willow. (laughs) It's always been you. I'll I'll take your one ring. Enough. (laughs) Right. Uh, During all this tomfoolery, Kale was kidnapped the baby and it rides Uh back to to the castle, which is, yeah, Knockmar Castle, that's it. Finally, ex army decide to arrive once all the wild work's been done. They're like, oh, we're here. Well, well, there's no need. And then they will decide, oh, we won't go now. We'll get some kit. We'll go in the morning instead. <laughs> Why? The baby luckily, must be killed. Luckily, the ritual to send the baby's soul back to the third dimension, whatever the hell it's doing, takes about three days. Oh, it takes forever, doesn't it? Because, yeah, the, she orders the preparation of it. And then there's more ordering of the preparation. And then more steps and more of this and more of that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just. I wrote down on the subject of sorcerer. I wrote down just before uh, Ick and his um, army turn up. Uh, is she just starts fighting her own men, and they're like, right. And then when the other army arrives, they will arrest you for war crimes. Yeah, because you were a general in the opposing army, and you've killed count, probably killed countless of women and babies in the search for that one baby. You're not a good person. Not at all. Yeah, but anyway, it's just a film. Uh... It's just a film. <laughs> yeah. That's what I get. I know. It'd be really, it'd be, it'd be really dark in the last half an hour. Was just her on trial for war crimes and then getting hung. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, at this point, the darkest point in the film for me. Willow, oh, yeah, I knew oh, you'd hate this. Oh my god, bit. I hate this bit. So Willow and Co. and X Army arrive at Knockmar Castle, and then the Queen just basically casts a spell to turn them all into pigs. She goes, "You're pigs. You're all pigs." Now I remember this bit. Wrongly, I remember it being probably like that battle before. There was a big old battle going on. The queen realised they're losing, so then she turned them all to pigs to try and stop them. This is just they just turn up and out of nowhere. She goes, "Yeah, you're all pigs," and just turns them into pigs. But this just comes out. Of I nowhere. only remember Mad Martin being turned into a pig. I didn't remember I anybody remember else that. being turned into a pig. I remember, I remember him. I didn't remember it was everybody else as well. Also, yeah. I just, I just Go on. no, no, just skip back just very quickly. Just before they get there, the. <laughs> The, the, the queen, Bab Morda, um, says to a sorcerer, where's Saw? She goes, she's turned against you. She goes, turned against me? And it's what the sorcerer's what about? Yeah, it's kind of like what I said would happen, but you know. <laughs> yeah, fine, you never no, listen, listen to me. Don't listen to me. No, it's fine. No. <laughs> oh, Gary Oldman. And then, yeah, no, no. I I distinctively remember um, Val Kilman turning the pig, because I remember like all his hands starts turning into like a pig's trotter and all that. And I remember that as a kid being like, oh, that's horrible. And he's getting all the tusks. And then he comes, his head goes down, he comes back up, and it's all like mutiny. It's like, oh, it's horrible. Then you see people lying around, they're kind of half human, half pig, and all their stomachs look disgusting. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> horrible. 
Like, I absolutely hate people turning into things in films, whether it's like Total Recall where they're suffocating or that. You hate that. Or the Robocop Melty Man. No, that didn't actually bother me that much. <laughs> I just thought that was cool. But no, no, there are certain uh, things I don't like when people turn into really repulsive things on films and they've got no chance of turning back. Like, oh, it's just really upsetting. Like, even that bit in Super Mario Brothers when he turned into the Goombas. That's horrible. Why would you do that? Yeah, that bit always disturbed me. Did they turned him back later? They must have changed so. him back later. I hope so. Um, but then, yeah, Willow doesn't get turned into a pig because he's been sodding about with his wand, like just whirring it around or whatever. You put it like that, it sounds very dodgy. <laughs> Like Willow off good, just just knocking one out whilst everybody else is getting turned into a pig. Kind of comes back like, sorry guys, I was um busy in the tent by myself with that goat. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're all pigs. Am I warned? <laughs> uh, but during all this, he's managed to turn that goat back into uh, a lady, but she turns into like a tortoise and a tiger and something else, and then finally she turns back into her human form. And I got confused at first. I was like, is that the midwife from the beginning? No, no, nah, nah, she got mauled by the dogs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> she's way dead. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's the bit you said, when Willow comes outside and sees they're all pigs, so he just lets the pigs into the tent. And the next scene, you get them all just been turned back. I was like, this scene was just pointless. You just put yeah, this in literally pointless. to revolt people. That's all you've done. Yeah. Also, she seems to be turning them back one at a time. <laughs> that would have yeah. forever. It's not 400 of them. Yeah, come on. That's you. That's you. And then the 15 <laughs> minutes, where we don't see the bit where they're all wandering around finding their clothes. You know, yeah, I was going to say, are they all just 400 men in the nip? <laughs> and one woman. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Joanne Wally turns into one as well, because her mother's like, oh no, you, you betrayed me. You, you can become one as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's about to start the ritual. And she's bandaged herself up like a mummy. Yeah, I did that. I was like, why is she dressed like a mummy? <laughs> Mumra. <laughs> but then she starts getting older and older and older for no fucking reason. Right, yeah, what, I just see this is where I was kind of watching this and I thought, had I missed something? Because oh. it's explained at the beginning that Elora uh, uh, Dannon will end the reign of the Queen, right? Get yeah. that. At no point do they explain what this ritual is and what it's trying to achieve and what she stands to gain from doing it rather than just killing the baby. I mean, you're in a very tall tower, just whoop. Uh, and then, also then, why does she start getting old? <sighs> like, is she already meant to be really old and like killing babies keeps her young? I thought maybe that's it, but like that doesn't make any sense. Like a hocus type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense because her daughter is young. And hot. So that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said it. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. my head and tail of it. It's weird. She's washing herself with blood and all that sort of stuff. It's weird. And then, oh, we... I was put here with, with Willow when he was doing the spells to turn, like, the spell that he does to turn her into a human is different every time he does it. Yeah, because he keeps fucking it up. Yeah, but it's, it's completely different every time he does uh, it. Yeah, like, it's I not the same thing. He's not saying the same thing at all. And also, who taught him all these spells? Yeah, you'd think Raziel, the person who's got to be turned back, would just say, say these words and I'll turn yeah. back. Or you'd have like a little bit of an Obi Wan Kenobi moment where she's teaching him how to use the wand as a like a raven, but no, no, no any none of that because we needed more of the brownies titting about. I hate those brownies. I'm deliberately not mentioning them again because they're just annoying me. Um, <laughs> I've, just, yeah. I've just turned the page and seen them. Like, Why doesn't she just smash the baby's head? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a massive get rid of this notebook. <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, then the, the the soldiers are fully clothed, and Willow's like, "I've got a plan," and I've just written, "Shut up, Willow." <laughs> it's annoying. <laughs> Yes, this is. He's like, we've got gophers on our farm. He's like, he's digging. He means digging. Just get because they're like, what? What do you mean? It's like, oh god, can't you work it out? Fucking idiots. So stupid. And then 
we get Razzie was a human standing there going, oh, this will be a day you'll always remember. I'm very proud of you. And then somehow or another, they managed to hide all of these soldiers and their horses in holes with sheets over them. And they all come out and go, ah! And They've dug the a hole and all got in there. And all the people standing on, on, the, on, on, the, on the ramparts have looked over and go, what are they doing? Oh, they're digging holes. <laughs> and they're putting sheets over and they're all getting in. Turn around, turn around, turn around, and then they like turn around and they turn back and go, Oh, they've gone. They must have all just up and left, apart from the old bird and uh, Willow, the little man. Um, right, let's uh, see what let's open the gates. Nothing could possibly go wrong here. Let's open the gates and go out and arrest them. (laughs) Yeah, but things do go wrong because they stalk the the castle. The the, film is, I was like, She can't harm you again because plot reasons. (laughs) because otherwise she just turned into pigs in a minute and and it'd be the end of it yeah yeah apparently that spell was irreversible but yeah but this battle was actually good we've got hot oil being poured onto people there's sword fights people get their throats slit oh yeah this is cool before before that (laughs) bloodthirsty bastard this bit with them just before they go into the battle when they're waiting outside and they're kind of coming get them and she turns to Willow and goes your children will come to remember this day so I fucking might they're not here and you're going to come back and talk about this morbid shit he's just going to come back yeah, oh, I, yeah. killed, I, I jumped a load of boiling oil on people that was <laughs> pretty sweet oh but yeah during amongst all this boiling oil and fighting Willow, Sorcia and Raziel confront both Mordor in the ritual chamber <laughs> they have this old lady fight and it goes <laughs> on for like 20 minutes and they're just beating the shit out of each other I was like this is the end of a summer blockbuster and you've got old women beating each other up <laughs> You're all this garbage. I've written down here two old women fighting over a stick. I've seen <laughs> those films. Oh. <laughs> oh, and during all this, for some reason, they managed to animate a piece of furniture, and it reminded me of the sugar container in the Sword of the Stone, the one that kept the around. And then Willow's fighting this piece of furniture and managed to throw it out the window. I was like, what a hero you are. <laughs> See, I thought when he went out the window, I was like, oh, it's going to land on Kale. At that point, Val Kilmer and Kale are fighting. Yeah. Like, oh, the, the table's at... Nope. No, no. That piece of furniture just goes out the window. That's it. I was a bit with, with Sorcia. I won't let you kill that child. Why not? Why didn't you give a shit about 20 minutes ago? It's just a film. And then, at this point, Kale kills Eric. Oh, no, not Eric. And then, Mad Mark goes, <laughs> like, I will avenge you, Eric. I was like, why? He, he didn't want to help you earlier on. Why yeah, he's been, nothing, he's been nothing but horrible to you this entire time. Yeah, so Eck, Daniel, Daniel O'Hurley, he ended up uh, one of his future roles. He's dead now. Um, was the old and corrupt sheriff in the unnecessary horror sequel, The Descent Part Two? Yeah, I did not know that. I think I've seen yeah. that movie once, and I'll probably never yeah, watch it again. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, Mad Mark has a really good old fight with Eck, and he like whacks him right in his mask and knocks off it off. Like, oh, that's cool. And then. He stabs him with his own sword, stabs him some more, and then he pulls him down onto his sword. Oh, damn. He died hard. Eric is uh, played by Pat Roach, who was in all of the Indiana Jones films. He was. Being killed by Indiana Jones in a variety of different ways. Wasn't he one who goes into the propeller as well? He's the one who goes into the propeller blades. He's the lead Indian uh, thuggy um, in the second one. So, Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) he's not Indian. (laughs) No. Oh, God. So, yeah. Eric, no, not Eck. Uh, Kale's dead. Uh, then, at this point, Bavmord is able to restrain Raziel and Bavmord and uh, Sorcia with some shit. 
magic, I don't know. And then we get the bit again where Willow tries to use the acorn for, oh, finally, this is going to be the payoff. And he throws it at the queen and it just kind of goes in her hand. She's kind of like, yeah. just gets rid of it. <laughs> what was the point of these acorns? There is literally no payoff with it. Even what, I about the, what I read about the deleted scene is it's even useless in the deleted scene. He drops it on his boat and it causes his boat to sink. Yeah. Yeah, utterly, so utterly, utterly useless. Gwildor gave him some Billy utterly useless Barty. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Gwildor. <laughs> Take your oh. comic key and stick it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then Willow then uses that crap magic trick from earlier to fool the, the queen that he's made the baby disappear. She's always being like, no, no, no. And then inexplicably lightning hits her and she just kind of <laughs> floats away just like some Wizard of Oz shit. Like, I'm melting. <laughs> just so strange. So strange. It's so bizarre. And then Willow's like, oh, it's not real. Look, it's a trick. Ah! And then, I just, I just put it behind this thing. <laughs> I just put the baby down behind this rock and she didn't think to look behind the yeah. rock. Can you turn around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. It's highly unusual, but I will. Then it's pretty much over. We we get celebrations outside, like the end of the New Hope. And then Willow's gifted a spell book by Raziel, <laughs> magic for dummies or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I suppose at this point, Mad Martigan and Saucer are in love and are probably going to get married. And then, yeah, Willow returns to the Shire on Mad Little Sebastian. Puts him, puts him on the horse as if to say, right, off you fuck. <laughs> You've on been cock me for the last three weeks. Yeah, on yeah. Little Sebastian. I go on, off you go, come on. Yep. He arrives back on the show on that majestic beast that he's hailed as a hero and everyone's running up to him. It's like, why are you hailing him as a hero? How do you know he didn't just walk down the road and go, yeah, just give the baby and just come back? He doesn't know what he's been up to. He'd be like, like, yeah, yeah, oh no, I killed that baby. (laughs) Killed it and (laughs) ate it. And then then his wife comes out, like everyone else is there greeting him and his wife's the last one to turn up. She's like, I've got better shit to do. Oh yeah. Oh no, that was the other thing. Just before he goes into the castle early for that battle, he looks at his wife's hair. Oh yeah, that's the... <laughs> that's right, I've got some, got some hair. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, and then just before we finish, Willow does a magic trick. Returns an apple into a bird, and the bird shits on that arsehole landlord. <laughs> and then the film ends, and we all think about what we did. <laughs> so yeah, that was Willow. Two hours and six minutes of Willow. Yeah, I feel like I've been on the adventure they had as well. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's let's go back. So back in nineteen ninety three when you had your KFC on a Saturday night, what did you love about <laughs> it back then? Or what did you hate about it? Or how did you feel? How did you feel about Willow back then? I, I, I enjoyed it when I was younger, um, as I recall. Um I remember very clearly sort of certain sequences. The two headed dragon I remember. I remember the chase sequence in the cart i remember the brownies and i just remember being fairly fond of the brownies when i was a kid i thought they were very funny um i mean i was six fair fair um and i think you know at six years old your critical faculties extend to it's bright it's loud it's fun it's got sword and sorcery it's one of those things that you just like as a kid um i just remember being rather swept up with it and, and finding it interesting um I think I probably got it conflated with Star Wars to some degree and probably got them all mixed up in my head a little bit. Um, as you tend to do with these things. I'm sure uh, there's probably, I watched Dragon Slayer at some point and there'll be scenes in that where I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. I thought that was in Willow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I just thought, you know, it was fairly entertaining for a child. Keeps keeps fairly entertained. How about yourself? 
I, mean, I don't remember too much of it. I remember that pig bit, Jesus, and I didn't like that. But um, <laughs> I just think I liked it. It was just like a swashbuckling fun adventure movie, and I I thought Warwick Davis was quite fun in it. I didn't this time. I thought it was well annoying, but um, yeah, it, it just it's interesting though how you and I. We've got similar film taste, but this isn't one we revisited. You know, like stuff like you mentioned earlier, Who Framed Roger mm. Rabbit and Back mm. to the Future and shit like that. Like you'd watch those maybe over and over again. Why was this one just kind of a watch once? Oh, okay, and that's it, kind of thing. You know, so it, it kind yeah. of made that much of an impression of us. Oh, I want to see that again. It's awesome. You know, I, I would have seen it more than once as a child, but there would have been a point where I stopped watching it or where right. I just didn't feel the need to revisit it. Whereas there are other films that I would have, you know, gone back to time and time again. And I don't know what that is. I don't know whether it's quality. I don't know whether or not it's something that's works for both adults and children so the majority of good films you know or especially good pg or good u-rated films are films that work for kids and adults on slightly different levels or mm-hmm. on the same level but have a certain amount of um, deafness to the way they portray the characters and the way they yeah. portray the narrative arcs and the way that they frame it this feels um uh, sort of first drafty it feels clumsy it feels, I think I say that a lot of things we watch feel first drafty, yeah. but it, it feels clumsy. It feels like they've not put a lot, they put too much thought into some things and not enough thought into other things. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, actually, that leads quite nicely. And so, what did you love or hate about it now? Or were indifferent to now? So, that's an interesting one, this, because I was, I was watching it and I was, and I was fairly, for the first hour, barely bored i didn't hate it mm. i wasn't sitting there going oh this is terrible this is rubbish no it was just sort of fairly generic sword and sorcery you know pseudo epic that oh, i could take or leave you know because something you'd stick on in the background i was yeah same to my other half like if i had kids and i was showing it so that i'd be more than happy to stick a kid in front of it and go watch that shut up um but i was still impressed with certain bits so you know say the 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 the, the opening rate, the opening sort of this is what's going on isn't enough to get you yeah. into the world. And at yeah. no point does it make any attempt to give you access to the world. Everything they say, you know, we're talking about Tira's lean and you know, Thin Rizal is like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it's not enough just to explain that away. Um, so that's not good enough in the way that it brings you in. It's not good enough in the way that the, the, the villains are hammy and, and underwritten. Like, you never know what she's up to. Like, the, the villain, what, is, what does she want? Exactly. Apart from to kill that baby, what does she actually want? You don't really know. Um, she's very hammy. She's very thinly sketched. All of them are. The, the main henchman, General Kale, I mean, what's his deal? Like, there's no character there. There's none. No. no He's just a man that... in a skull mask. He's a henchman. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not a good one. Um, but at the same time, you can only watch it and you think, right, the, the, the sets are well made. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a lot of thought and a lot of work's gone into that. Um, the the intention behind it of casting little people in 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 the numbers that they did is very admirable. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, and and I can see what they were trying to do, and I can see. I mean, George Lucas has always been very good at that. Um, the the physical world building is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the artistry on display there is great. Um, some of the performances are good. But Val Kilmer's good. Yeah, quite. Quite happily watch him do that character. That's he's you know, it's, it's like it's nothing to him. Like um, Billy Barty's always welcome for five minutes thin. Um, and the second half is better than the first half. It is better. It's less boring, and actually, you know, it's quite entertaining to watch. It's so, but it's, it's, it's weird because by no means is it bad. I don't think. I wouldn't say it's necessarily very good, but it's just in a. It's just sort of there. 
And yeah. that's not that's not enough for the strength of the films that came out, the strength of the films of the people involved in this. I mean, everything from James Horner and his scores through to George Lucas and the Star Wars films through to Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, who's a bizarre choice for director for this, but was quite early in his career. So you can see he's kind of learning on the job. You know, they've all done better stuff. And the quality of the stuff that they've done says that this isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I mean, I mean, there's other stuff to like. I mean, the cinematography is really good. Some of the That's shots beautiful. of Wendell it's really, really nice. Uh, yeah, like you said, Val Kilmer looks like he's having a whale of a time in it. Um, sorry, you could, like you're going to say something. I was going to say on the on the effects point, actually, the matte paintings and the use of matte paintings in this is really, really good. In yeah. fact, you can't necessarily tell where they've got them. Um, and some of the sort of interiors that they've done up with effects look really nice as well. Like the, the throne rooms are all mm-hmm. sort of augmented, similar to how they did. Um, Master of the Universe, actually, and that was some of the best stuff in Master of the Universe as well, was those matte paintings that they did. So yeah, that's it's really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, the music soars good. Uh, some special effects are good. Uh, I mean, as much as I hated it, the pig bit is really good. It, as much as I hated it, I go, ah, it's very impressive. Mm. Um, do you know what? Even silly, the baby's acting's quite good. They did do get some good shots of her and stuff, like really yeah, too many shots like of that. her. There's yeah. too much of that every fucking five minutes. It's old oh, baby's <laughs> cooing. It says, oh god, who cares? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Warwick Davis acting is shameful. It's, he's not good. It's not good. Uh, he's just a very annoying character anyway. He's very whiny. He's very annoying. Like, you're made to believe Val Kilmer's the shit. And I'm like, no, actually, I think Willow's the shit. <laughs> like, you know, Val Kilmer, he's a bit of an arse at the start, but then he becomes the hero at the end. But it's just... no, Val, Kilmer's, Val Kilmer is Han Solo. That is his, his entire character arc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pff, I think we've mentioned everything else. All the films, it's ripped off and it's source material and you know, follow similar beats to Star Wars and, and as you said, very, very much underwritten villains. It's What, what do they stand for? Why? Why, why, why yeah. are they here? What, what, what do you want? You, you get no sense of the world around them. You know, you keep saying, oh, they've they destroyed this castle and they've had this battle. We don't see any of it. You yeah. don't get any sense of what's going on outside of Willow. And, you know, maybe that's intentional, but I don't necessarily think that it is. No. Right, moving swiftly on. Smith Trivia. What do you got for Smith, Smith Trivia? Well, so, yeah, this was an interesting one, this, because mm. I was looking into it. So apparently it was the largest ever casting call for little people at the time, and they yep. cast in 225 and 240 actors, including in an uncredited um, cameo as one of the band members in the village, Kenny Baker is in there, very briefly. Ah, R2-D2 himself. R2-D2 himself. That's awesome. Um, a lot of them lived on the set, so they built the set just outside Wales, uh, wow. in Wales and a lot of them lived on that set for about two weeks so the whole thing has this lived in feel and you know you get that sense that, that yeah. these um, George Lucas first had the idea for the film back in 1972 apparently wow. that was when he first came up with the idea and he kind of sat on it until after the Return of the Jedi and he met Warwick Davis and he said alright I've got something for you and I'm going to write this role specifically for you I think you're you know you're great and I think you've got a good career ahead of you. I mean, yeah. Um <clears throat> Ron Howard as director still made him audition. Oh wow. No, so he still had to had to convince Ron Howard. Uh, Ron Howard I think looks back fondly on the film from what I've read, although he did at one point say that um he didn't really direct it, it was more George Lucas. I believe he was that. Just, yeah. <laughs> um obviously uh, we said the thing about the devil dogs so yeah this is a bit about Sorsha and there was an un as well as the the kind of the famous deleted scene in the river where he gets attacked by a giant fish man um <clears throat> Sorsha's character had more in the original draft as well so her father is apparently the king of Tirasleen mm-hmm. and when they get to Tirasleen and you've got the people all in the sort of uh, not lie the witch in the wardrobe <laughs> spot, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is her dad 
Oh, okay. And when she sees him, it's what convinces her to turn to turn against her mother because she doesn't know what happened to her father, and she finds that her mum has frozen him, and that's what convinces her to turn good, not just the sexual charms of Val Kilmer. Um, just include that. That's a good plot. Exactly. Point. He's in it still uh, at the is. end when they're all kind of standing around doing the end of um, a new, hope. A new Hope. I mean, George Lucas loves his films to end with people getting a medal. And a, on the <laughs> yeah. back and a bunch of people cheering um, we've all done a great job end of um, he's in there so the character is there still her dad is meant to be he's, uh, he's the old man that's there is meant to be her dad which he's never explained which would give more to her character than just oh I'm going to turn good now for no absolutely no reason yeah great. Um, the film was originally going to be called Munchkins oh uh, that was the original, <laughs> original title uh, they changed that oh what a terrible night what, but obviously. why because yeah. it's already about one little person really because the rest of them fuck off back to the show well exactly that's probably why they changed it um originally nobody wanted to finance the film uh, sword and sorcery epics like dragon slayer labyrinth uh never any story all that kind of stuff had done very very badly uh, legend had done very badly at the box office um and so nobody wanted to finance it what helped was that alan ladd jr had gone to mgm now alan ladd jr had previously uh, his old studio produced star wars and basically said to George Lucas, whatever you bring to me, I will do, because you did Star Wars. You've made me richer than I could possibly imagine. I will help you. Um, so that's how it got financed. It didn't do very well. It made, what, $135 million off $35 million budget, which is better. It's a profit, mm-hmm. but it's still not good. It's still not what those films should be making yeah. at that time. Um, interesting other little bits. Uh, John Cusack originally auditioned for the role of Mad Martigan. That wouldn't have worked. No, it would have worked at all. As no. did Matt Frewer, original Max Headroom himself. Um, the uh, morphing stuff for the the um, Finn Rizal morphing from different animals, one into the other, was created specifically for the film. Oh. So that tech was new for the film. They created it to get around that problem. It was then later used as the basis for all of the effects in Jurassic Park and other films. So this film really sort of is a bridge between Star Wars and the sort of... Inception of computer techniques, and then that next bit forward before you start getting into that stuff in the early nineties where it's properly developed. Got yeah, and so that's um, uh, the only other interesting bit I've got is so there is a lot of digs taken at this film uh, against film critics. General Kale is named directly after the, p- the critic Pauline Kale, mm-hmm. um, and the giant two-headed monster is called the Ebusisk and is named after Siskel and Ebert. The look of it is modelled after Clint Howard. That's so Ron Howard liked to put his brother in films, couldn't find a role for him. Although I don't know how, you could put him anywhere in this yeah. film and it would have been fine. Um, I mean, some of them are doing American accents, so it's not that. Uh, so he modelled the two-headed monster after his brother. <laughs> his brother is not a good-looking man, but that is cruel. That's very cruel, yeah. Um, and I think that's everything. I've got something else where I've written down here, but I cannot for the life of me read my writing. <laughs> No worries. I'm sure it was witty and funny. Cool. All right. So the final verdict, Smith, does it hold up? Um, mm, I don't know. This is a really difficult one because I didn't hate it. It's a bit boring. Not bad. Yes. Yes, it does. I think it does. I think it does. Just, it would be an easy thing to put on in the background on a Sunday afternoon and not be too offensive. Hmm. And what do you think? No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. I know people love this movie. I just didn't enjoy it. I I was bored. 
It was confusing. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I wasn't even drunk when I was watching this. I was stone cold sober. And I did not know what was going on. I was very bored. And I just just didn't get it, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, some of the fight scenes are fun. And, you know, there's some adventure stuff. But it just, just takes too long to get going. And the acting is just woeful. It's only really Val Kilmer's acting that's really good. You know, he brings a lot of charm oh, to this movie. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. For me, it does not hold up. No, whereas I think on balance it does. I think the intention behind it, the art. I think the intention behind it, the artistry behind it, and yeah, just I just think I just think it's fine. It could have been so much better, though. I think if you chopped half an hour off, chopped off some other stupid shit, inserted some of that stuff we said, oh, like some deleted scenes would have made more sense. I think it would have been a better film. But for me, it's just too long. Oh, there's there's a better film. There's a better film in there. There's a better film in there. Um, Weirdly, I've not, I've not seen the the sequel series that they made. I don't want to. Um, good well, you can't now. They've taken it off. So it was on Disney Plus, created for Disney Plus. They put it up there. It didn't do as well as they'd hoped. They've pulled it completely. You can't watch it anywhere now. Wow. And because by doing that, they don't have to pay anyone that's in it royalties and um, can use it as a tax write-off. My God. So it's gone in the vault somewhere, never to be it's seen. It's gone in the vault somewhere, never to be seen again. But, you know, that's what torrents are for. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But you didn't hear that from us. Nope. Cool. All right. So now it's your turn. Next yeah. episode's nomination. What are you picking for us? Um, so I'm going to take us forward in time by a few years. Okay. And I'm going to pick a film that I, I legitimately, again, haven't seen. I mean, I say that as if I'm somehow revealing that some of these films we may have seen more recently than we'd like to pretend. Um, I haven't seen this film in a long, long time. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it's really not going to hold up. Go on. We are going back to the catchphrase generating film of Jim Carrey, The Mask. Okay, cool. We've done 1994 already, but that's fine. I think that film does need to be revisited because I'm sure it's going to be oh, annoying oh, as piss. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> really fucking annoying, isn't it? But yes, well, my wife will not watch this for me. She hates Jim Carrey, any form of Jim Carrey. I said, no, come on, there's the Truman Show. He's good in that. But no, she just won't watch it. Okay, The Mask it is. We shall be covering that next. No worries. Great then. So, last bit of housekeeping before we get out of here. Do you want to plug our socials? So, you can reach us on email at it doesn't hold up podcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at it doesn't hold up podcast. We're on Twitter or X as it's now known at at doesn't hold up pod. We're on YouTube at it doesn't hold up podcast. And we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other good places you listen to podcasts. And remember, please do give us a good review on all your podcast platforms. And remember, we welcome all suggestions for stuff to cover. So yes, that was Willow. Have you got anything further you would like to say about Willow? No, nothing. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Cool. Well, until next time we regroup uh, to cover the mask, I just want to say to you all, now get out of here before I throw this acorn at you and turn you to stone.